You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 174, Caroline Harries and the Invitation of Hope. Welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it is really a privilege today to have Caroline Harry. I've, you're somebody, I, Caroline, I've been following on Instagram for a little while. I think, I, I don't know if you've uh, seen any of my posts, but um, I definitely wanted to hear more about what you were doing. So I reached out to say, hey, I would love to connect with you for the podcast. So welcome to Halfway There. Yes, thank you. I am honored to be here for sure. So thank you. Excellent. Looks like you're doing some cool stuff. So tell us a little bit about kind of who you are and where God has you right now. And, uh, and then from there, we'll go back. Absolutely. Yes. So I'm Caroline. I live in the cold Dallas, Texas. <laughs> totally <laughs> kidding about that. We were just laughing about the weather. Everybody in Wisconsin does not want to hear that right now. I know. It's it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> so anyways, live in Dallas with my husband. We have been married now eight years. And right now I am, I found myself doing full-time ministry, which it sometimes doesn't seem right like the right verbiage because anything we should do should be full-time ministry. But I have a podcast as well that I co-host with a friend called A Cup Full of Hope Podcast. I write a blog called In Due Time. I, a, a book was birthed out of my blog also called In Due Time. And then I lead a ministry called Moms in the Making, and it is for women who are going through infertility. So that is what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. So that's a really important um you know, place and, and ministry, right? People, yeah. people struggle. And here's my thing. So one of the things I love to talk about is, um, as, as Christians, I don't know how you grew up, but we'd never talked really, um, positively about our bodies. Right. And so that, that kind of, I'm sure comes into some of your ministry. Absolutely. Yeah. So because there's so much shame associated yeah. with going through infertility. So. Right. And so there's a, there's a whole piece to that. I'd love to talk about it uh, maybe a little, in a little while, but that is, um, it's just one of my, one of my little side missions here on the podcast is just to yeah. go, Hey, listen, no, no, you're a whole human being and your body's part of that. And so yes. God's God loves even your body. But, yes. So we'll talk about that maybe. So tell me about you. Cause I want to hear kind of some of your story with the Lord and how that has come about. So, uh, are you from Dallas? Yeah, I actually grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, just about okay. four hours north of here. It's still the buckle of the Bible Belt. It is, and <laughs> I'm, I'm actually have a flight up there in a little bit later on today, so heading back that way. But I grew up there, and I moved to Dallas my junior year of high school. So spent most of my upbringing in Tulsa with two older brothers. I did not grow up in a Christian home, and I started going to church with a neighbor in about middle school. And kind of from there, that's where my relationship with the Lord started. And a lot of it was doing it on my own. You know, once I was mm. the age where I could drive or in college, kind of doing my own thing and figuring out my faith on my own, but always, always hungering for it. So. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So uh, starting to go when you were in middle school, was there a reason that you went? Somebody invited you probably. Yeah, just my neighbor invited me. And I don't know. I, you know, it's interesting. A lot of my 
friends were at the time or not so much at the time, but looking back or like, well, what were your parents thinking? And they were just fine with it. So I'm sure they thought it was a good thing. They didn't have much to say. We didn't really talk about it. And so they were okay with it. And I was pretty involved in the youth group and, you know, active in the church and everything like that. Yeah. Did that become your social circle? It did. Yeah, Yeah. it did. I was pretty active in sports as well, playing soccer. So between that, I was keeping busy, definitely. Okay. Very interesting. All right. Because how did it become personal for you? Uh, Did you have a a moment or did you have, you know, when did you decide that you wanted to follow Jesus? Yeah, I still remember it was in middle school, just being part of the youth group. And obviously that being something that they shared and touched on. And I, I don't know, I didn't, it wasn't even a questioning to me. I didn't have to figure much out. It was just in that moment. I knew that I wanted a relationship with Jesus and really began from there. I remember, actually, I can see it on my bookshelf now, which is really funny getting the teen study Bible that I Uh still have and just like reading it on my own in my bedroom. And again, I kind of doing my own thing, but obviously having friends to walk alongside with as well. Yeah. So that's interesting. I love that about um, what I would call conversion stories, right? That part of the journey of meeting Jesus, because they're really, they vary so much. I mean, I've had, I have one guy say to me one time that he met Jesus while reading the New Testament and doing an eight ball of cocaine. Like, that's a dramatic example, right? Wow. Yeah. And then others where, um, and this is what I love about your story, is it was a little bit like Jesus just sort of drew you into a group yeah. and you were like, yes, I want that. And that's good. Yeah. I love his variety. I love the way he does it. Yes. he. We cannot put him in a box by any means. Yes. Yeah. And there's value to both. I think, you know, I grew up always wishing that I had a little more wild past, which now that I'm older, I'm like, no, that's a good thing. But yes. yep. uh, <laughs> there, Absolutely. There, uh, there's value to that. So that's what I want to say for some of our friends that may um, feel that way or ever said that. Um, yes. I, I think it's great. So you decide, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to follow Jesus. And this is where I'm headed. I got my teen study Bible. Did you dig into that? Did you, uh, did that become a thing that you, you know, read all the time or like, how did that discipleship process go for you? Yeah, I, I definitely, I, I mean, I don't, it's been so long ago now. I don't recall a lot of the history or those memories, but I do remember reading it and again, being, very involved going to the youth group on Wednesday nights and Mm -hmm. Sunday morning and Sunday nights. And, uh, so, and then of course being still going with the neighbors and them kind of taking me in. I obviously didn't realize the impact they had on my life at that time. Now I definitely do. But so, yeah, it was just a process and I don't know, I guess in that moment I probably didn't know any different. Yeah, of course. What were some of the maybe formational events like, or maybe a passage or a, you know, we all have kind of some of those where we're like, Oh, this study or this, whatever, you know, it could be a variety of things that kind of shape the way you see God shape things that you can look back now and go, that was really foundational or a person who invested in you. Yeah. Gosh, that is hard because I think that has changed so much. I think from that church I was at to even where my theology is to today has changed dramatically. Well, that's what I want to hear about. So t- tell us where you were. Oh, gosh. Oh, geez. Uh, that's the very loaded question. Um, so, that's what we do. You know, at that time, it wasn't, uh, theology wasn't a thing for me. It was just, here's a personal relationship with Christ. And what does that look like? 
you know, when I was a junior in high school, my parents moved to Dallas where I live now and was going to church on my own. I found a Methodist church to go to. I don't know. Again, it was like, I, I had a good upbringing. I had a good life. I was hungry for a relationship, but it wasn't even so much of a need. I would say, I don't know. Life was good. Life was easy. I obviously was in this hardship, if you will, which doesn't seem like a hardship of moving during your junior year, but when yeah, you're in high school, it's traumatic. It's traumatic for sure. You know, graduated from high school. I went to Baylor university in Waco and it's interesting looking back on some of those beginning days at Baylor, we would do a Bible study with friends every night. And I'm like, who does that? Not a lot of people yeah. every night is pretty intense. And, um, but then once I turned 21, kind of got into like some partying on the weekends, nothing too crazy, but you know, just drinking, going out with friends, yeah. totally not following. I mean, following the Lord, calling myself a Christian, but looking like the rest of the world, you know, I've spent a lot of the past two years of my life wondering, do I look just like every other non-believer looks or is there mm -hmm. fruit being produced? Do I actually look like Christ? I would say at that time would call myself a Christian, went to church every so often, but honestly looked just like every non-believer. Yeah. So. And that's a season, right? That's yeah, okay. Absolutely. That happens. Yeah. So, so I, I still haven't really answered your question, but. That's because it's a well, loaded question. It is a loaded question. We'll get there. We'll, we'll, I'll, it's my job. Uh, yes. Okay, good. But the uh, – so, I, so I, one thing you said that I was very interested in is the community that you had where you were getting together to study your Bible or do a Bible study or get together. I, what I love about college is that you can do that, right? You have time for that stuff. I get too many yes. kids to do that now. But yeah. um, but that that really is a formational community, right? Where you get together and you get that kind of um, working and working it out together. So I can see that being very, very formational. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. So, okay. So you're kind of, it sounds like you were kind of just living life. You're kind of just oh, for sure. doing the things. I studied a lot. I was like a nerd who studied a lot. I was part of a business fraternity, which was a co-ed organization. It doesn't sound like one of the fun ones. Oh, well, I was actually <laughs> like, they, I, I was known as the good girl. I really liked uh, all of them. I yeah. was the chaplain and I don't know. I think probably from those standards, I was more, you know, the good person who had my life together, but I'm guessing since you have a ministry, your faith got deeper at some point. Absolutely. So yeah. tell us that story. Yeah. Yeah. So graduated from Baylor, I moved back to Dallas. My background and degree is finance and marketing. So landed a job in the corporate world doing finance. And at that time got diagnosed with this rare, crazy medical condition. I, I don't, won't even go into details, but basically just felt awful all the time. And that was a really raw place. You know, that's kind of that moment where you hit and you can either run away from the Lord and blame it on him. But I, sought him so deeply. I would go to work. I wouldn't feel well. I would come home and I would be in the word. And it what's interesting looking back is this is in the day of like forums, like Yahoo forums. <laughs> I'm sure those still exist. I don't even know. But I would actually in that time be the one who would go on those forums with all these people who are hurting and discouraged and go and encourage them with, hey, but God's word says this. Uh, and it was just in me. I I don't know. It wasn't even like, oh, I need to go encourage everyone. I just didn't know any different. I, I knew that 
I wasn't going to let it ruin my journey with the Lord, but it was actually going to, uh, if I chose, make me look more like him. Yeah. So that's really interesting uh, because one thing we talk about a lot is the dark seasons, right? Mm-hmm. It was a dark season. Yeah. <laughs> because those things are the things I, I told somebody today, uh, God takes those and they're the times that he's able to uh, bring all the stuff to the surface and skim it off the top, right? Yeah. Like you, when you refine gold, that's what you do. You just kind of yeah. skim it off the top. So it uh, sounds like, what would you say maybe that he skimmed off the top of you of you during that season? Oh, gosh. Wow, that's so hard to think of. I love these questions. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, in some ways, I wish that I had come out looking like a whole new person. And yeah, it, it, I, I don't, I mean, we all want that, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be dramatic. I mean, just as you reflect on it, like what, what do you sure. see that, that how that shaped you? I think it was a lot of just the personal one-on-one time with him mm. of, you know, there was a lot of loneliness in that season because we're my friend, you know, you're 21, your friends are hanging out on the weekends and you're like, I don't feel well, I can't. And I think it was just such that opportunity of in that moment, what was I going to choose? Was I going to choose to focus on him? And I did. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of it was just seeking him and, you know, what can feel lonely is like, we actually have a father who wants to be with us at all times. Right. Right. And that has to be a very personal discovery, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And I think I've discovered that a hundred times full. Yeah. Which is, which is cool. I, (laughs) I love that. I think we have to. So, okay. So you walk through that season and then, uh, and and then what happens? Yeah. So at that time I started going to a church here in Dallas. It was a, just a non-denominational Bible church. And a part of my story, I would say is a lot of heartache with just dating and thinking I was going to marry a guy and it didn't work out. Went just through a lot of heartache in relationships. Mm which again, in the moment feels like the biggest deal. Looking back, I'm just like, oh, please. That was, you know, yeah, <laughs> not a big deal at all. But I ended up meeting my now husband at that church uh, in the singles group. Uh-huh. He's, it's, it was the young adults group, right? Code yeah. for singles group. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, which is such a, it's always an interesting group, right? You've got very, you know. For sure. Diverse personalities. Let's just leave it at yes. that. Yes. And lots of dating in yes. the, within the group. So jealousy. Absolutely. So we met, we hit it off right away, and we got engaged 11 months later and were married within a year and a half. And I don't know, everything was glamorous and glorious. And then, then this is really, I feel like, the main part of my story. Yeah. Probably because it's the season I'm still in, but more fresh. So we got married in 2011. In 2012, we decided we were ready for kids. And because my husband's prior medical history, we went to the doctors and the doctors just said, there's no way you will ever have children. Just zero chance. You know, it takes certain things from the female and the male and they weren't finding that. And so medically impossible to have children. And so I would say this is kind of the big in in some ways, a big time where, you know, everything changed for me and our faith in a good way. Yeah. But yeah, that began a whole new journey of infertility, if you want to call it. Yeah. Okay. So take us through that because it's, that's a big life event. Absolutely. Right there. And those of those kinds of things tend to cause us to question who God is. Yes. Yes. 
Yeah. So that was, I mentioned this already in 2012. I still remember getting the phone call from doctors and my husband and I, he actually came and picked me up at work because I was so upset. You know, you think you, you get married and then you have children whenever you want. Right. And actually infertility is something that one in eight couples go through. So it's pretty common, but at that time I didn't know it was a thing. I, my friends were all having kids already. And anyways, in that moment, I remember praying together, opening scripture together, just reading through scripture and just knowing this is not the end of our story. Like this, you know, we will be parents, we will have children. And in that moment though, I was, I would say there was so much works and religion involved. Uh, It was a lot of thinking that if I worked my way into a baby, then I would, you know, worked my way into pregnancy. God would grant me the desires of my heart. Yeah. Okay. Well, unpack that because that yeah. is huge. Yeah. I, so that's, that, there's so much there because I, yeah. man, how often do we do that? It's not just with kids, it's with all oh, kinds of things. Anything. Yes. We think we have to prove ourselves. So yeah, the first year and a half of our, I'm going to call it an infertility journey was really about works. My husband actually got moved to Georgia for his job. So we were not only just given this diagnosis, we were also in the middle of a long distance relationship. So he was gone for six months. We did long distance marriage, I should say. And while he was gone, I start Googling all these things like, you know, how to get your body healthy. And by the time he came back, we're doing <laughs> essential oils. We're doing every crazy diet. We're doing acupuncture, right? Because if yep. we do more and, and, there, and there's something to be said about stewarding our, stewarding our bodies, making sure they're healthy and that kind of thing. Uh, but for me, it was very, very out of just religion and I had a big turning point. Okay. Well, so I just want to set that stage. Like, yeah. I just want people to really feel that because yeah. you can, I can imagine, um, and I'm trying to put myself in those shoes. Okay. This infertility thing is happening. What, you know, you're feeling very maybe inadequate. Like what kind of words would you put to that? You know, I don't know. I'm sure my husband felt inadequate. Yeah. A lot of it was male factor and, you know, it's a pride thing for a man. Yeah. And I would say miserable. We were miserable because of the works mentality. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the works mentality is the question is God, why is God doing this to us? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Why is this happening? Okay. Was that, that, that was your question. You were asking God that just, yeah. I mean, we were miserable. Our friends were all pregnant every month. You know, you find out you're not pregnant still and it's just, you're hopeless. You're disappointed. Mm. You're thinking, I mean, I remember going to our church and crying with them one time. Cause I was like, I had a glass of wine last night. God's punishing me because I had a glass of wine. I mean, I'm talking. Yes. Miserable. Yes. Okay. So. That's what I'm talking about because there, we do that sometimes to ourselves. Oh. About all kinds of things. If you, if I had gluten, well, gluten causes infertility, just the whole gamut. I was in the middle of all of it. Right. Okay. And then you had a break for through, you said. Yes, absolutely. A big one. So kind of a crazy, totally God story is I was taking a flight to Kansas city and I was reading a book on infertility and a girl came running after me after we got off the plane and chased me down in the terminal. And she just said, Hey, I just wanted you to know, I saw the book you're reading and the church we go to, we stand for life. We believe for babies and fruitfulness and 
we would love to pray over you. And at this time, she prayed over me in the terminal. She gave me her business card and it turned out she volunteered for the same ministry my husband volunteered for. And she lived just like two to three miles down the street. So we connected right away and we actually started going to that church. We were at that time looking for a new church. And so it was just divine timing from the Lord and walked into those doors. And I will say, this is a huge pivotal part of our spiritual journey is being at the church that we're still at now. And that was the church that she had mentioned to me at that time. So, okay. So, so she prayed over you, but then and you found this church. How did that change you though? Yeah. So we were there. I mean, my big moment of surrender is we were there for about a month or two. I was still pretty miserable, but also like, this is amazing that there's a church for praise who prays for people because the church we were Mm. at previously was just like, we're sorry you're going through infertility. We're sorry. You'll never have kids. That was that there was no, there was no hope. Uh, Mm. There was no believing in healing or miracles, which is very much how we operate now. Yeah. Okay, that's part of the theological shift you were talking about. Absolutely. Okay, elaborate. (laughs) Part. We're now in a spirit-filled church. We receive the Holy Spirit and believe in signs and wonders and miracles and healing and everything in between. Wow. Have you seen some of those things? Absolutely. Yeah, we've seen crazy things. Uh, Gosh, I could go on and on. We've seen legs grown out and just amazing. Really? Yes. That's awesome. Yes. So... So anyways, but I, so I have this dream. We're at this church for two oh. months. I have a dream. I, in the dream, I was pregnant. So I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. This is the best dream ever. I go take a pregnancy test and it's negative. And I was devastated. And in that moment, the Lord was like, you can either put your trust in the baby and put your trust in the diet and all these things, or you can surrender your journey over to me. And I felt like up to that point, I had been the toddler who is trying Mm. to fix the problem, who is on their own, who doesn't allow the father to come in to help them, to love on them, to talk to them. I mean, I was, I looked ridiculous. I looked obnoxious in the spiritual sense. And so that moment, August, 2013, everything changed when I chose to surrender our journey over to the Lord and saying, it's not by your works that will be parents. It's by your grace. And it's going to be a gift from you. And that was my breakthrough and turning moment mm. for sure. Yeah, that's huge. Yes. That's huge. There's there's something really powerful about when you come to that place and go, it's the end of whatever I was needing or trying to make happen, whether it's infertility or something else. I, I had a very similar moment with anxiety one, one time a couple of years ago. I was struggling terrible and I was up in the middle of the night and I finally just said, God, if you want me to go through this, great. I'll, I'll do it. That's fine. Yep. I don't like it, but okay. And uh, it stopped immediately. And I was wow. like, oh, okay. I still yeah. struggle sometimes, but it's not the same as it was. Like there was a couple of years where it was just like the worst. Um, but I think it was the surrender, right? It's that surrender of I'm, I'm okay, God, I'm going to, I'm not going to strive so much to try to make it happen myself and I'm going to trust you. It was all striving up to that point, you know, and I, I kind of give this visual of my, my palms were just clenched tight. And then mm. once I was surrendered, it's like, not only can I give to him, but when my hands are open, I can receive from him too. So 
that was kind of combined with the church that we were at where again, they offered prayer and we were like, this is crazy. Yeah. We had never experienced prayer. We'd never experienced worship. That was alive. That was, I, I don't want to say charismatic, but that there was just people filled with hope and truth. And it was also new to us. So very cool. Very cool. It's yeah. Community really matters. You know? Yes. It, oh, it changes everything. It changes your, uh, Changes your perspective for sure. Yes. Interesting. Okay. So you surrender this to the Lord, which is a, I would say a really significant moment in your life. Where does it go from there? Well, so at that time, the Lord put it on my heart to just have a few women over to do a fertility support group. So I started a support group. It was just in my living room. There were six of us at the time and this started in 2013. And so Really, we're still in the thick of fertility stuff. We're not seeing doctors. We are hopeful, though, that it's going to mm-hmm. happen. And at the same time, I start this. It wasn't even a ministry. It was a group at that time. I also started a blog and still vividly remember the Lord telling me to start a blog. And I laughed because mm-hmm. I was like, listen, my background's finance and marketing. I am an awful writer. Awful. I struggled with reading and writing. My parents would send me to all the little, you know, tutors and everything to try to improve that. So I'm in the thick of leading this group and writing a blog and still working full time and believing for babies. Yeah. Okay. So what does that look like? Take us, take us kind of into, into what that looks like for you. Cause you, you eventually like, what do you do today? You, cause I know you like travel. I've seen, I've watched your Instagram. So you travel, you go all yeah. over. Yeah. So, so yes, I was working. Then the Lord was like, well, it's time to write a book. And so I ended up writing a book as well. So not only was I blogging, I wrote a book. It's just a 60 day devotional. It's not about fertility. It's actually that anyone could pick it up and be encouraged. And so it came to the point where I was just feeling maxed out. And, you know, I really felt impressed from the Lord to quit my job, but I was like, I can't, I've been here for 11 years. This is all I've known out of college. This is an income. I had just given, been given like the highest award at the the company I worked for very involved with my job, if you will. Yeah. And so I was disobedient and I acted like the child again. <laughs> That's interesting. And I kicked and I screamed and I finally was like, I maxed out because Moms in the Making, which is now the name of the ministry for women going through infertility, started to grow. Again, blogging, writing a book. And I was just like, I can't do all of this anymore. And so I quit my job. And that was a big, that was hard. It, <laughs> it's a huge deal, isn't it? people sounds glamorous, but it wasn't at all. It's way more scary than people think. It is. Yeah. And, you know, again, coming from a background where my parents, aren't going to church. They're like, Hey, we, you got this degree, you got this great education. What do you mean you're leaving this awesome job that's paying you? And so, you know, going from two salaries to one, just the whole transition of it all Mm -hmm. was very scary and very hard. Yeah. Yeah. The boomers don't get it at all. Right. No, they're like, just, you just keep going, keep going until you're almost dead. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So with that, I 
I thought I was going to be bored, which is so ridiculous now, but I was doing full-time moms in the making. So what started in my living room in Dallas in 2013 has now expanded to, we are actually about to announce more locations. We're about to have about 50 locations across the United States. Wow. Support groups. Yes. So I'm overseeing all these groups. We also have had three conferences that are held here in Dallas. They're two-day conferences, and it, it's a good about nine months of planning. We have women come from 33 states, several countries. We have women come from all over to these conferences. And again, now I'm doing the podcast. And yeah. What is, your, what is your podcast called? A Cup Full of Hope. Nice. Yes. Yeah, and that is really, it's a lot about theology. Honestly, it's, you know, our heart is that we radiate with hope. My co-host and I, we just feel like we carry a lot of hope because hope's a person. He lives on the inside of us. And and so we talk just a lot about what God's word says over different situations and how to maintain hope in the middle of the trials and storms. Yeah, which is great. And obviously you've lived through a lot of that yourself. Yes. So you can speak into that very. Yes very well and remind people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, I love that. Okay. So I'll have links to your website, which is in right? Yes. And uh, to your podcast as well. So people can find it there, but can, can we just spend a few minutes talking about um, the kinds of things that uh, happen to people who are struggling with infertility? Yeah. Because um, I always try to, you know, it's difficult, right? Like, so it's hard sometimes to have an intelligent conversation about that. Cause I know people want to be helpful and they want to add things and they want to, they, you know, they want to offer something that's valuable, but uh, sometimes people say things that are hard. Right. Yeah. And, and so like, what are the kind of struggles that, that people going through infertility have? And then how can we, uh, for those of us who don't have that issue, how, how can we, support and be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's going to look different, obviously for every couple. Yeah. It's individual, right. But for my husband and I, we're on such a different journey in that we're not seeking medical intervention or assistance. So you have a lot of couples who do things like IVF and vitro and their journey looks so different because they're going to the doctors every day. They're getting injected with hormones and shots. And so you know, there's couples who have had miscarriage after miscarriage mm. after miscarriage after miscarriage where we've never seen a positive pregnancy test. So my my wisdom on how to support a couple going through infertility is honestly probably what I would say if it was a divorce or if it was cancer or loss of a spouse. And that's simply just ask them, how can I love you in this season? Mm. No one wants to hear your advice. <laughs> right. No one wants to hear your wisdom unless it's honestly godly truth. But what I appreciate the most is one, the friends that have stuck alongside with me, because I will tell you eight years in most have jumped ship because they're like, we're done. It hasn't happened yet. It's never going to happen. We're not in this for the long haul. And then two is just the incur just a simple text. Hey, thinking about you or hey, read this Bible verse and it made me you know, think about you. I hope it encourages you. Send me a worship song. Uh, just the little things that I think anyone could appreciate no matter what the season. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is be a friend, yes. not Dr. Laura, right? You know, 
Yeah, there you go. You know, it's the power of communication. I'm yeah. It goes with anything. It goes with marriage. It's how do you set your husband up for success? Well, communicate. Tell him what you need. How do you how do you tell someone, you know, how they can best be supported? It's just anything. I think one of the best things to do is just simply asking someone, how can I best love you in the season? Or telling someone what I need right now in the season is XYZ instead of expecting others to read our mind. Right, right, which is always helpful as well because I've been married 23 years. I still haven't figured out the mind reading thing. There you it's go. Not, not very good yes. at that yet. But yes. Uh, yes, you probably just want your wife to tell you. <laughs> just tell, I will do anything. Absolutely yes. anything. So, yes. yeah, very interesting. I think that's a, that's really helpful. Um, what what other kinds of resources do you have for, um, for people? I know you mentioned your conferences and yes. books and podcasts. Yeah. So I would love to, of course, mention moms in the making, you know, we yeah. do do an annual conference. We have these groups that are in cities all across the United States, but we also have virtual groups. And so if there's not a group in your city, it's actually, we do it through a webinar, just like this through zoom. And it's a great way to get plugged in. We offer so many different uh, ways to get plugged in because what happens with infertility is the shame that comes along with it, which yeah. is a lie. And then there is the loneliness when all your friends are pregnant and you're not. And so we've really, the Lord's just built this amazing community where we offer things like matching you up with a prayer partner. So you have a friend to do life with, you know, we have a private Facebook group where we do a lot of prompts, just, you know, the heart of moms in the making is yes, we're all going through this, but it's really all about Jesus. How do we seek Jesus in the weight? How do we mm. make this all about him? How do we, uh, further our walk with him in the middle of this hard season. So I would say if you go to momsinthemakinggroup.com, there's a ton of different ways to get plugged in, get involved, resources, and everything in between. I love it. Okay. So you kind of took your personal epiphany mm-hmm. and made that into a, hey, how can I help other people have this epiphany and kind of un- understand this? Is that true? Yeah. And you know, what's amazing is just from the group that I was leading in my home, we had 70 babies. So just life, so much life, hundreds of babies nationwide. But what is even more beautiful than that is the hearts that have been healed. And I could share testimony after testimony after testimony of just even one that we share. We share testimonies every Tuesday on social media, just one that was shared yesterday or the day before someone came to our conference had been having anxiety and panic attacks to the point that doctors were like, you might have to check into like a place to get help. And she got set free at the conference and has not had a panic attack since. And she's like, I had had panic attacks for years. So you find we're just seeing just miraculous healings take place. We are seeing just hearts that are healed of women who are broken, who were lost, who were hopeless and who now have hope again, mm. who have encountered the Lord, who have felt his love. It's amazing. Okay. So. How do those stories affect you personally? You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm very big on testimonies, very, very big on testimonies. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so for me, I just, my heart is stirred and encouraged and I receive so much hope every time a testimony is released. Cause I'm like, Hey, listen, what God did for them, he'll do for me. He's no respecter of persons. And yeah. so it just encourages my faith. I, I would say I don't take probably enough time to process in my mind what the Lord's done 
through it all. I mean, it's been all him. I definitely don't take any credit for it, but it's interesting. Recently I got asked a question and it was very, I felt like a profound question. And it said, why this person interviewing me asked, why do you think moms in the making has expanded so quickly and taken off in the way it has? And I was like, you know, I've never thought about that, but I think it goes back to the fact that we carry hope. And that is what the world is groaning for is, mm. is everyone is in a place where they need hope. And when they encounter the father and when they experience that hope, everything changes. And, and so I think, you know, it's amazing just to hear these testimonies and just to focus on all the Lord's done because he's amazing. <laughs> Amen. Well, obviously as a show who does that, that's, that's, yes. uh, I'm a big yes. believer. Yes, um, and part of my, my ambition here is certainly to talk about the dark times and talk about those things, but also just to say the journey is actually longer and deeper and wider than you've been told. And so, you know, we go beyond kind of the, the, my life was terrible and then I met Jesus and now my life was great. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's all the ways that the Lord kind of transforms. And so I, I love hearing, um, hearing some of those stories. One of the things that's great about the gospel is it's, really the decimation of shame, right? So, so you're bringing, you're bringing this hope to places where there, there has been shame for people. So how, talk about that and how, what that experience is like for people and then maybe how the gospel applies to it. Yeah. So I can, I'll share another testimony. There was a girl who attended the conference at our conference. Again, this is not a conference where we talk about how to get pregnant or about IVF treatment or about raising finances. This is literally all about Jesus. We worship. We have a time of prayer. We did a whole freedom session on, hey, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit can tell us the lies that we're believing, and he can give us a new truth to replace those lies. And so we did this whole freedom session. Well, part of that was bringing stuff up through prayer led from stage. And one of the things we brought up was abortions because lots of women mm. have had abortions. And yeah. There's such a lie that women believe that if they've had an abortion, God's punishing them. Well, we know that Psalm 103.10 says God does not punish us according to our sins. And so anyways, I heard a testimony after the conference that there was a woman who had had an abortion 20-ish years ago or 15 years ago, had not told anyone, had been carrying the weight of the abortion for 15-ish years, the shame mm. of it. And got set free at the conference and has never experienced freedom like she's living in now wow. before. And so you you hear all of the shame that comes with either my body's not doing what it's supposed to be doing because I should be multiplying. I should be producing fruit. There's the shame of I had premarital sex or I had an abortion or whatever it is. And so we're really getting deep down. We actually have a list of over 200 lies that were wow. uprooted, if you will, from the conference. And it's all... Shame, I'm not good enough. God's punishing me. I, I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, those are important to mention, I think, because I know that there's some people listening to this who still struggle with it, right? Yes. They, absolutely. The, this goes back to what you said earlier about the works thing, right? Yes. We have this impression that God is just saying, trying to punish us if there is, you know, if we've done something that's that's wrong. I'm convinced, this is this is a shift in my theology, that sin 
is probably more about whether or not we're willing to move toward him or moving away from him, holding him at arm's length, like in the garden. Yes. Uh, there's, there's definitely a moral aspect of actions too. I'm not saying that, but they're, they're um, in the garden. God isn't standing aloof and out. He's like, he goes and finds them. Right. He goes and finds them. And that to me speaks volumes about what God actually thinks about us. Sin, not, notwithstanding, right? He just, he still wants them to be around. Yeah, I think we have to understand the exchange of the cross, you know, going Absolutely. back to 2 Corinthians 5.21, our sin was exchanged for righteousness. And I think we live in a society of Christians that are like, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. And the, Jesus Christ is like, no, you're righteous. You, you've received, you know, the, the new covering. You are now a saint in Jesus Christ. And I just think that we miss it, that we've haven't stepped into our full identity yeah. of who we actually are in Christ. And it goes back to understanding that exchange at the cross, that he actually bore our shame and our sickness and our sin uh, so that we could be made whole and right with him. Yeah. And he will take it. And so come, come. Yes. that's the invitation Amen. of hope. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Wow. I love that. Okay. So we could probably talk about these things for a really long time and I would love yeah. to do that, but uh, where, well, I'll, I'll tell, we'll mention again where people can find you. They can find you at indutime.com. And what was the other one you said? Um, moms in the making group. Moms in the making group.com. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, anything you want to leave us with? Oh, gosh. I mean, God is so good. He just, he's so good. I love it. I would just say no matter what season you're in, whether you're on a mountain or in the valley or anything, just run after him and I mean, his goodness will chase you down, you know, and that's kind of one of my core values is God is good. And everything that I believe on top of that has to go through that filter of when it comes down to, does he cause infertility? Does he not? Everything, all my theology is, has to be based on that truth. So that's it. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Carolyn. I appreciate it. You radiate joy, which I think is really cool. So I can see the joy of the Lord in you and uh, just even, even via Zoom. So Thank you so much for doing that and for sharing a little bit of your story. And I can't wait. I hope people will check you out if they're in a season where you can minister to them. That'd be great. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Love podcasts? You'll love Podcast Magazine, taking readers into the lives of today's leading podcasters and beyond the microphone of the shows fans love. Each month, Podcast Magazine's dedicated writers share personal interviews, industry happenings, exclusive categorical charts, and independent ratings and reviews of under-the-radar shows. If you listen to podcasts, subscribe now at podcastmagazine.com and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. That's podcastmagazine.com.